Hi, you guys. This is Liz Ryan, and this is the Truth About Work podcast, episode 15. I'm going to talk about a couple things. I'm going to answer a few questions, and then I'm going to read a story. And uh, yeah, it's episode 15. Our topic is work, how to make work work, how to find the right job, and how to do well at the job, and figure out whether it suits you, and how to navigate your career how to make a career change, how to brand yourself, use your network, all the available job search channels, and then, you know, how to figure out what to do in your next job. And the one after that, how to manage people and be an HR person or start your own thing, you know, as an entrepreneur or independent consultant, so much stuff, good stuff to talk about. But I want to talk about nouns today. You guys know what nouns are, person, place, or thing is a noun, like a book or a table or a bottle of Gatorade, whatever. And of course, you know, when people started to develop higher level thinking, of course, they're going to categorize things like snow and rocks and reindeer, whatever, and uh, assign names to things. It's a very handy thing to be able to classify stuff that we encounter. certainly makes it easier to talk about stuff when we use uh, nouns. But It messes us up, too, because in the working world, we are so often identified by what we do. So we all know, like, when we were little kids, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, there's a farmer and the Dell, you know, and there's there's police officers and piano teachers and there's people have professions. And so it's easy to say, oh, this person is the one who has the florist shop And this person over here is the secretary at the school. We know what her job is or their job is. And then here's somebody else who's a preacher and here's somebody else who's a social worker and somebody else who drives a truck. But nowadays, careers don't work like that anymore. And the first job you get or the first career you try is almost highly unlikely to be the one that you retire from or that you stop doing at some point in the distant future. We change careers a lot now. So we don't have that sort of identity piece or security of just being identified as a thing and then having that brotherhood, sisterhood, having that label, having that confidence, having that job security, that identity. It is really complicated now. And people struggle with the question, so what do you do? I've gotten so much mail over the years from people who said, I hate that question. It sends me into almost a panic state. What do you do? I don't know what I do. I know I've done some stuff. Some of it I liked, some of it I really didn't like. How do, am I something? I'm not a piano teacher. I'm not a police officer. I'm not one thing. Jobs themselves, industries, career paths are fragmenting. It's scary for a lot of people. My husband, for example, my my in-laws are still living and they both retired a million years ago, but they both did the exact same job. Both of them did the exact same job as one another and all of their coworkers. They worked together. They met at work, pretty sure. And they worked in one company for like 45 years. There's no such thing anymore to have this profession and you just do it. I mean, you know, people that do, it's fantastic. And people who open their own business often will have a career that looks that way, right? But to go get a job and expect to retire from that job, pretty much now it's got to be a government job. Maybe it's in academia. Because in the public 
in the private sector, regular companies, right, publicly traded companies and private companies, for-profit companies is highly un unlikely to go in as an entry-level person and leave the same organization 45 years later, having worked your entire life. And not just that, but even if you stay in the same industry, you know, you're going to change around. Your job is going to change sometimes because you want it to, sometimes because that's just what you know, Mother Nature has in store for you. That's just what has to happen. Because the other thing we've seen, of course, is rampant wholesale outsourcing and offshoring and jobs just disappearing. They don't exist anymore. Look at print journalism, for example. When I was a little kid, you guys, when I was in high school, I babysat for reporters. That was my niche, of course, because I babysat for one and then they gave my phone number to somebody else and I babysat for them. So I ended up with this uh, media babysitting niche in high school and I babysat my ass off in high school. I babysat for so many people because I needed that paper. I needed the money. Uh, I was a theater nerd and I needed the money to go to New York City on the weekends and go to the tickets booth and get half price tickets to the whatever Broadway show was you know on Broadway at the time and, and to buy whatever I needed to buy. I needed that cash. So I was babysitting all the time. And they were reporters for the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and other publications. And it seems so quaint now because those, you know, the jobs don't exist in the same numbers anymore. And, you know, print journalism in general is just like going away. My father was a print magazine publisher, business magazines, worked for, a, you know, a big company and published business magazines, worked his way up. Same thing. He worked for the same company 40 some years. Not a thing. They won't, you do not have that opportunity. People would be happy to do it. Uh, great article that I recommend. I apologize for having forgotten the name of it, but it's um, on Forbes. It, it's, uh, you look up the term white socialism and you will find this article. It's white socialism, which is this sort of middle and upper middle class um, incredible cocoon of benefits and job security and you know, health insurance and paid vacation and all of these things that people had, you know, primarily white people in all those years that we think of as the post-war baby boom and the Camelot era in the 50s and 60s and 70s and started disintegrating in the 80s and kind of started collapsing into the 90s and the early 00s. It's, you know, it's basically gone. But a but for a small number of people in certain industries, high tech and fintech and uh, financial services and a few others, but it's very, very, it's very, very missing now. It's this whole um, uh, sort of cushion of things that let you buy a house, money and benefits and security that let you buy a house, that let you go on vacation, that let you send a kid to summer camp. Send them to college. This the safety net that was there ever since the end of World War II, and it's you know it's pretty much gone. So so with this kind of tumult happening in the working world and wholesale, you know, sociological change, massive change, we're not addressing that in any suitable way or appropriate way by saying, well, then obviously we have to take care of people differently because this white socialism thing for white people, much less anybody who's not white, it's not around, it's not here. And we have to step in and look at the structure of, of work and look at education and look at how people get paid 
jobs, the proliferation of jobs in the last 10 years is service jobs that pay at or close to the minimum wage. You can't get a decent apartment on that, much less buy a house. You know, we must care in, in the United States of America about home ownership because we give a tax deduction for mortgage payments. We must think it's a good thing for people to, to buy a house because we, we tilt the tax laws in favor of homeowners, right? But then it's like, no, you, where are you supposed to get the $50,000, $100,000 to put down? So we have to look at work as a topic. It needs to shift. It needs to be re-engineered, or as we say, reinvented for people, because it's not really supporting people right now, other than that lucky few, the 1% or the 5%. A lot of people really struggling. So back to this question of nouns, how do you define yourself now? How do you answer the question? Somebody says, what do you do? And you're like, uh, I've done some of this. I've done some of that. The first thing is that you got to give a charitable interpretation of the question. Uh, so you don't get flustered or turn on your heel and walk away. If you're physically with somebody who asks you that question, they don't know what they're asking you. They're not trying to insult you or you know, um, plumb the depths of your soul. What do you do? You know, what have you been doing? What are you working on? You don't even have to answer with, a, with an answer about your job. Unless they say, what do you do for a job? You can say, I, you know, I've been painting. I've been reading lately. I, I've been listening to this really interesting podcast. So, you know, we have enough influences that make us, tend to make us feel bad about ourselves. Don't let an innocent question that somebody asks you because they don't know how to start a conversation, right? Don't let that throw you off your game. But but more importantly, know that the days of being able to be defined by your job title are quickly receding in the rearview mirror any old way, right? It's just not going to happen. It's it, Most people do are no longer as tightly identified with their job title. So for example, you meet some young person and they play in a band and your sister loves the band and told you about them. And you went to this event and you met the drummer, okay? And you say, so yeah, so what else do you do? They, they probably work at the liquor store or something. They probably don't have some like career job that, they, that, that their identity is wrapped up in because their identity is wrapped up in maybe playing in this band and just trying to get something musical going. All of our you know, gratification is not in our jobs anymore. And that's probably a really good thing, although what's bad about it is that the jobs themselves don't permit <laughs> the connection that, you know, our parents or grandparents had. Uh, it's not ideal, maybe, to have your entire identity wrapped up in your job title and your business card. I experienced that when I left my last corporate job, and I was like, I don't even know who I am without my business card. Maybe that was, uh, you know, the boat was tilted too far over to one side, but now we have the opposite situation where people are like, yeah, just give me a job I could identify with and feel proud of and feel like it represents me and I'm really connected to it and the company that employs me. People would kill for that now and they don't have it, right? They don't have it. People are, are looking for that. And that's why in part we're here at Human Workplace and doing this podcast and me writing articles and doing whatever, Twitter and videos and stuff like that, writing books. I just finished a book. It's about HR. So uh, that's going to be coming out later this summer. And I'm excited to tell you about that once the cover's done and books all put together. And I'm writing a book right now about leadership because I think that we need to have a conversation about the difference between what we see around us, fear-based management, 
and the trusting, trust-based leadership that I teach and promote and that we, I have seen work so well. It's really, it's really the only thing that qualifies as leadership is when you trust yourself enough to trust the people that you hired for Pete's sake and just let them do their jobs. It's also a lot more profitable and, and good for companies and good for their customers. So I'm kind of a zealot evangelist for that. But anyway, I'm going to answer a question. Um, oh, okay. Liz, you talk about the value of finding a job that speaks to your talents and or your passions. What if your passion is not in your work? Yeah, so this is kind of like we were just talking about the drummer. Your passion could be connected with your work. You don't. You might hate that word passion. You might say your interests, your talents, your whatever. It's completely up to you. The good and bad of this sort of new millennium workplace that we see around us is that the, all the old safety nets are gone. The corporate ladder's gone. All the job security is gone. All that stuff is gone. So it's scary, obviously, but what we have in its place is it is completely up to you. It's up to you now. Working for yourself versus working for an employer seems like this big monumental distinction until you do it. Until you start working for yourself, even if it's just for a month or two, to fill in and you say, wow, if I could afford health insurance, I don't know if I'd go back to the corporate world or the institutional world. Maybe I wouldn't. So people are finding a lot of different ways to be and creating different ways to be because the old structure disappeared out from under our feet. The, the conveyor belt is gone anyway, is what I'm trying to say. So we might as well make our own thing, right? And so it's more freedom, but you know, freedom is scary too, right? It's not like uh, everybody would choose freedom. In fact, that's part of the dislocation that we're dealing with. When people bemoan, understandably, the loss of the corporate ladder and the corporate cocoon and the stuff, you know, the situation from the uh, post-war, post-World War II era up through the early 2000s, it's like that bubble has burst and it's not coming back in our lifetimes. We're all entrepreneurs now. We have to deal with this reality differently and use different muscles and use different skills. But the flip side is we are all entrepreneurs and get to and simultaneously have to make all the important decisions now. But in terms of this noun thing where we started, what are you, right? Are you a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker? Man, people ask me all the time, what are you? I, I, I mean, you know, I joke and say I'm an HR opera singer or whatever. But I mean, I write and speak and, and, and talk about the workplace and why, why do I need a noun? I don't want a noun over me. I don't want to be in the Dewey Decimal System. Everybody gets to encounter me for themselves and decide what I am. Don't let anybody put you in a box just because somebody else thinks you would be more comfortable in a box, comfortable for them. Here's, here's what happens at work sometimes. You work in the training department and you are great at it. You're developing training materials, instructional materials. Maybe you're d delivering training too. You're totally into it. You're doing sales training. You're doing customer service training. Everything's going really well. And you're sitting at a meeting one time and uh, somebody else in another department says, uh, so what are you? Are you the uh, training coordinator? And you say, oh yeah, you know, I started here as the training coordinator and then I got moved up now an instructional designer. And they say, oh, no, I don't think you're an instructional designer. Maybe you're a training, uh, junior training developer. What is this? It's a 
it's a it's a put down, right? They're telling you what you are in their eyes. This is very common in the business world because people get what? They get insecure, they get fearful. So they need to put somebody else down to feel better about themselves. And one way they do that is by telling you what they think you are and what they think your qualifications and your capability is. Sometimes if you have a fearful boss, the boss will tell you, no, I wouldn't call you a senior salesperson, but perhaps with my coaching, you could grow into that. This is what happens, you guys, because work is a social place and people get insecure very easily. They get insecure. Just like kids on the playground when we were 10 years old, it's literally no different. It's the same thing. Kids get freaked out, grownups I mean, they get freaked out and they need to put you in a box to feel better about themselves. And I like to call this stuff out and have you know about it so you can be on guard. Not to be, you know, unnecessarily skeptical or, or harsh or, or ready for, you know, conflict, but just to know that you are amazing with or without any adjectives, any modifiers anybody might put on you, with or without any nouns, your business card does not define you. It's a job. Might be a great job for you. Might be a terrible job for you, right? It will never define you, no matter how good the job is, no matter how much you like it. We always have to be sure to remember that our center of power is in us, not in the business card, not in the big office not in the extra large cube with a view of the river, not in the way your boss treats you, not in the size of your bonus. It is in you, right? And that's the only thing that you can really grow that is sustainable, is your own power and your own belief in yourself. Because people that believe in you sometimes will stop believing in you or have a reason to all of a sudden make you from their protege or their best friend or their number two to being an enemy, to being persona non grata because you freaked them out oldest story in the book oh you went too far you freaked out your boss now you know you got a target on your back i'm not trying to get you to see threats where there aren't any i'm trying to get you to be aware of human nature and how it works in the organizational hierarchy which is a place where fear is unusually high unusually present and active it's built into the system for there to be a lot of fear because fear is what makes people jump, right? And, and, and unfortunately, in the hierarchical world, it's convenient to have people jump on command. So you make them jump by fear, right? That's why I talk about it all the time. But you are not defined by your business card or your boss's view of you or any of that nonsense or your performance review. Give me a break. No, 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 no. Or even the last job you had or the last 10 jobs you've had. You are awesome with or without the business card, with or without the, the office, the big cube, the view of the river, the good bonus. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. And, the, and, and how I learned that for myself. How I learned that I was not wrapped up in my business card was always in the dark periods. When I got fired, when I had to quit my job, when I couldn't find a job, I was like, damn, do I suck? Does this just mean I suck? And there was just enough of a tiny little voice that was like, no, like obviously you don't suck. It's just you're trying to fit yourself into a system that is not necessarily made for somebody like you. And so the question is, how much will you bend? And we all do it, not hating on people who bend because we're going to bend. The world was not made for us necessarily. And we're going to bend and we're going to flex. And some of that 
is a really good skill to cultivate. And then at certain times we're going to say, eh, I'm not going to bend that much. Not going to do that. We speak our truth or we start a job search or we do whatever, or we, or we actually speak our truth and it works. And that's the other thing I've learned over 8 million years in the corporate and startup worlds is that when I was the most afraid, like I have to speak my truth right now and I don't want to because it could be bad. I could get fired. It, I didn't get fired. A couple times I did <laughs> when I was younger. But other times I, I found, you know, my, my, uh, I found my voice and my throat, lungs, tongue, teeth came to the rescue and said, no, we're not doing that. Or here's what we have to do. Or here's how I feel. And it always was the right thing to do. It was always the right thing to do. The big thing people write to me is I can't, I couldn't possibly speak up at work because I get fired. It's like, if you know that, and it's good that you know that, but then start a job search, right? At least for your own, for your own self-esteem, because nobody can pay you enough. Nobody can pay you enough to not be yourself. All right. I'm going to read a story right now. And it's called five signs you're successful, whether you know it or not. Now, before I start reading the story, remember, I was just saying your self-esteem, who you are, your worth, your value is not wrapped up in your job title, especially not now. You have any kind of job at all right now. You're successful. You don't have a job. You're still successful. Okay. It's not, this is a time when the apples have been thrown up out of the apple cart, the fruit baskets upside down and there's mangoes flying. Nobody, you're not. Anybody who's going to judge you by your job right now or these artificial traditional trappings of success, you don't need them in your life. Okay. So now I start reading the story, five signs you're successful, whether you know it or not. For years, we clung to an outdated definition of career success. In the old definition of success, successful people were people who had big jobs and earned tons of money. You could tell the successful people apart from everybody else by their clothes, their cars, their houses, and other material things. Now we know better. If you have an important job and a huge house, but you die of a heart attack at an early age due to stress, could anyone still call you successful? If you have a massive bank account and people on call, on, on call to tend to your every need, but you have no relationships with your own kids because your career is everything to you, are you successful? Most people would say no. Here are five signs you are already successful, whether you have a great job, a so-so job, or no job at all. Remember, success is not about the things that other people have given you, things like fancy job titles, company cars, big salaries, massive expense budgets, and corner offices. More degrees don't make you more successful. A better zip code doesn't make you more successful. Real success has to do with the power you build in yourself, power that no one conferred on you and no one can take away from you. Number one, you are successful if you call the shots in your career. If you have a fancy job, but you're afraid to tell your boss the truth because your boss might not like it, you are not successful yet. Number two, you are successful if you know what you bring to employers and or clients that helps them become successful themselves. If you let other people tell you what you should be doing in your career, you are not quite successful yet. 
Number three, you are successful when you know how to find your backbone and your vocal cords and speak up when it's appropriate. If you keep your mouth shut at work when a more self-confident person would speak, you maybe are not quite successful yet. Number four, you are successful when you give yourself permission to dream as big as you want. When you have a vision for your own life and are taking steps toward it, no matter how small the steps might be or how long it might take you to reach that vision, you are already successful. Number five, if you have people around you whom you love and who love you back, you are successful. You can always get another job if one job goes away. Your career status at any moment does not mean that much. Your state of mind, your belief in yourself, and your passion for your own values are everything. That's the story, you guys. I'm Liz Ryan. This is the Truth About Work podcast. I love answering your questions, so send me your questions at support at humanworkplace.com and have a fantastic day.